Well, there's a few more of you left in church than in our church on a Sunday morning. <laughs> like half our church exits when the children go out. Wonderful to be with you again to uh, return. Let's pray as we come to hear about what's happening in London and from God's word. Father, as we think about reaching our world, our lost world, pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning and that we would meet with you at this time and know your call upon our lives. And so, Lord, may your spirit come, come upon me, come upon us as your people in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, the last four years have been an amazing journey as I've served a little with the Billy Graham Association and three years with the Luis Palau Association. And I know I've been here a few times to speak about Ethiopia, Burkina Faso, and last year we had Malawi. I haven't really reported back on Malawi, but out of all the African countries, that was the most amazing <coughs> campaign, gospel campaign. <coughs> In fact, the family came with me to Malawi. We all served out there as I finished my time with Louis Palau and sensed a real call of God to come back to the UK. And J. John, the evangelist, invited me to join Philo Trust to help direct this campaign here in the UK that's not just in July this year, but beyond that, many other stadiums in 2018, 2019, and so on. So it's good to be with you and to share what's happening in the UK. We're going to watch a short video, I think, at this point to introduce this, and then I'll say a few things before we go any further. So let's watch this video. Welcome to the Emirates Stadium, the home of Arsenal Football Club. What an iconic and impressive stadium this is. We're going to be here on Saturday, the 8th of July, 2017. Joining us will be Hillsong to lead worship, Noel Tredinick and a 1,000-voice choir, and Matt Redmond and his band. Also joining us will be a number of people from all walks of life who will tell us a little bit about their own story and their journey with Jesus. Join us and bring a plus one. Bring the person that you have coffee with. Bring the person that you play sport with. Bring your neighbour, your colleague, your relative. Put the date in your diary, Saturday, 8th of July, 2017 and start thinking about your just one. Great, very exciting event coming up, which we'd love for you to be a part of. Any Arsenal fans here? Oh yes, great. <laughs> At least one. The rest of you West Ham, I'm sure. <laughs> Poor Gary. So the tickets will actually be on the Arsenal ticket platform. Do you know they only have three 
events a year in the Arsenal Stadium, besides all the football matches, but they have Coldplay, U2, we're the third event. And this was laid upon J. John's heart around five years ago. He's been doing a tour called Just Ten. Anyone heard of that, about the Ten Commandments? And he's filled cathedrals. And when he was at Winchester Cathedral, he was speaking to the 3,000 uh, audience there, as well as 14 satellite venues. And he was in mid-flow and having a conversation with the Lord at the same time. The Lord said, now is the time. Now is the time to use the stadiums once again for evangelism. And the Lord laid that on his heart for five years. He pushed it down for quite a while, thinking, no, Lord, can't possibly but it kept coming back up, and they explored it. They approached the Emirates Stadium. They said no to start with, and J. John said, well, we must have got the wrong stadium, but then the stadium came back to J. John and said, actually, we've changed our minds. We're going to let you have the stadium for a day. So it's just one day, just one message, just one invitation. You're going to hear that a lot, just one this year. <laughs> You've got brochures here in your hand. And that explains quite a lot of what's happening. You've also got a small giving envelope, if you so wish to use that, and a prayer bookmark to tuck in your Bibles so that each day you're praying for just one. This is the foundation, in fact, of the event, that we're praying regularly. Not only praying for the event, but praying for people that you can invite along. The idea is that 21,000 Christians bring 21,000 pre-Christians thinking positively about this. So it's not a Christian rave-up, even though there's some worship, everything will be fast-moving, will lead into that time when J. John communicates the gospel. So we want you to think intentionally about who you're bringing on the day. There's a section at the back, what can you do? And the first one is pray, nothing lies beyond the reach of prayer except that which lies outside the will of God. I like that quote. And then plan. Plan who your plus one or more will be on the day. Pray for them and get the date in their diary. As the date will be in your diary, but it is, it, is it in theirs? So start planning now, because we're only five, six months away from the event. So... When you partner with us as a church, and I've encouraged Gary to do that, you get uh, early access to tickets. Mid-February, the tickets come on sale at five, ten pounds, which is not much. For an Arsenal fan, that's an amazing price. <laughs> and so hopefully, because the tickets will be sold on the Arsenal ticket platform, we'll get a lot of Arsenal fans wanting to come because it's so cheap to access the stadium and look around. But... We're confident that many Christians will come and bring their friends, family, neighbours and work colleagues. So have a think about who you're going to bring. Start planning and uh, we look forward to seeing you there on the day. It's exciting because we have so many churches already partnering, 185 churches across London. Some of the big churches like Hillsong, HTB, Redeemed Church of God, they're all with us in this. And it, there's a sense that the time is right. Now is the time to reach this nation, not only to, in the church, have in your minds this missional mindset, but also to reach the nation for Christ using these events. So we're stirring up, we're equipping the church, we're training in natural evangelism, and out the back as you go, there's the natural evangelism book, so you might want to take one of these for five pounds. I'm going to share some of the, the themes of this book in a moment. 
And we're uniting the church as well across the boroughs and trying to encourage this, this collaboration as we hold events like this. So pray, pray for us. Let's turn to the Bible, though, for now and look at some of the themes that are, are here in this book. And I want to look at that chapter in Matthew 4, Matthew 4, 18 to 22, and use it really as a springboard passage to think about the themes uh, in natural evangelism. So the disciples, the first disciples were called by Jesus at the lake, and Jesus simply says, come follow me. And after he said that, he says, I will send you out to fish for people. This is my version of the Bible. I will send you out to fish for people. So no longer would they be casting the net into the lake for fish. They would actually be reaching out for people instead and catching them. And the same with James and John. So not only Peter and Andrew, but James and John, they immediately leave their boats. So they leave behind everything that was important to them then, their livelihoods. They also leave their father, so that's significant. They're leaving their family behind, and they're following Jesus. You see, following leads to fishing. Say that with me. Following leads to fishing. When you're following Jesus, you're also fishing you're reaching out to people. The two are inseparable. Now, this is a short account here in Matthew and in Mark as well. There's a very short account of how the disciples were called. But in Luke and John, there's much longer accounts. And that's the beauty of the Gospels. They're four independent testimonies, eyewitness accounts, all coming from different angles, all adding slightly different uh, events into their stories. So in John, for instance, if you have a Bible, John chapter 1, we have a much longer account of what actually happened. So John chapter 1, and uh, we look at verse 35. The next day, John the Baptist was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. And verse 44, <coughs> Philip, no, sorry, not verse 44, verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two. So initially, Andrew was actually with John the Baptist and leaves John the Baptist to follow Jesus. And he heard what John had said and followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find. Notice that word find. It appears a number of times in this particular passage. He found his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah and brought him to Jesus. It's so simple. He didn't argue with him. He didn't have any sort of conversation as such. He said, we found the Messiah and he brought him to Jesus. There's one way of inviting people to just one. Tell them, I found Jesus, and just simply bring them to the event to find out more. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one. You see, all that that word keeps coming up. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked, come and see, said Philip. So again, a very simple invitation. 
You could use the same for just one. Come and see who I've found, who's, who's special to me, who's precious. But it's all about finding. Jesus finds us, we find others. Okay, so following leads to fishing. He finds us, we find others. Very simple way of explaining it. Now, when, when we went to Malawi last August, I arrived on time. My luggage didn't. <clears throat> so I was there for one night without anything to wear apart from what I was already, already wearing, which after a long journey through Johannesburg to Malawi was not very pleasant. <laughs> but I had to preach the following day, so I had to quickly get some clothes. <clears throat> my luggage did eventually arrive, but I was so concerned about my lost belongings. I was so concerned. And it's then that it struck me, I seem to be more concerned about my lost belongings than God's lost belongings. We, as God's creation, made in his image, are his belongings. We belong to him. He made us as we are. And I was more concerned about my lost belongings than God's lost belongings. And that really taught me a lesson. Interestingly enough, Andrew Palau, son of Louis Palau, the evangelist who spoke in Malawi at the final events, he turned up and his luggage was lost. <laughs> South African Airways were having a bad summer last year. And he went three days without any clothes. And because I'm roughly the same height and build, all my clothes were lent to him. <laughs> well, not all of them, but some of them. So he was speaking in my clothes quite a few times. It was a bad summer for, as I say, for South African Airways. How concerned, though, are we for God's lost people, lost belongings? Just after Jesus met Zacchaeus, he said, The Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and to save what was lost. That's why he came. And he has now, he's ascended into glory and left us with that continuation plan to seek and to save what was lost. What this book suggests is that evangelism is natural. It should just be an overflow of our lives. It shouldn't be hard work. It should just be simply natural as we reach out to people. Now, in church, we have three main components. We have worship, and we've, we've enjoyed worship this morning. As we, we look up, we worship God. Well-being as well. We look after each other as the fellowship. We nurture our, our faith. You've got the connect groups here, which are part of that. So we're looking in. We're looking in as a church, caring for one another. And then there's witness, which is looking out. We're looking out to the world around as well. The problem is that in many churches, worship and well-being outweighs witness by a long margin. So we spend 40% on that, 40% on that, and only 20% on witness. It gets pushed aside, when actually it should be very even, 33% for each of them, at least. So evangelism can become in church life the great omission and not the great commission. It's something that we, we fail to do. But we've been entrusted with the authority to go. And I want us to just look at those words in Matthew 28 as Jesus says to his disciples, Matthew 28, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Notice there, yes, it's a, it's a command, and that sounds very harsh. It is a command to go, but there's also the, the encouragement All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, says Jesus. Therefore, go. So we go with the authority of Jesus. We don't go on our own. That's just a command. We go with the authority of Jesus to make disciples. That word go in Greek means go. J. John will say, J. John is fluent in Greek, he's Greek Cypriot. He'll say, most times pastors stand up at the front of church and say, this is what it means in Greek. It doesn't. (laughs) But this word, go, in Greek, apparently means go. It's nothing simpler than that. (laughs) So we're to go and make disciples. This event is not about quick converts. We wave goodbye and say, see you in heaven at the event. We want to make disciples who will follow Jesus, who will fish for other people. As Gary said, the domino effect, like the, uh, the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. The whole town comes out because of one woman's testimony. Let us go and make disciples, and after this event, we've got churches, partner churches, planning their Alpha courses, planning their Christianity Explore courses, whatever other course, to make sure that we are in the discipleship process. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always. There's the the encouragement, the promise again as we go. It's not just a command. He goes with us. So we're told to do three things in this passage. To make disciples, to catch them. We're to catch them. We're to mark disciples, baptize them, and we're to mature disciples to grow them. Make disciples, catch them, mark disciples, baptize them, mature disciples, grow them. Now, I've done work overseas, and one lady I met this morning is going off to Nigeria and Ethiopia very soon. But a missionary is not someone who crosses the sea. A missionary is someone who sees the cross. Because when we've encountered the love of Christ, his love compels us. We're filled with compassion for all creation, as we sing at times. William Temple, Archbishop of Canterbury during the Second World War, wrote the following definition about evangelism. To evangelize is to present Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit that people may come to put their trust in God through him, to accept him as their saviour and serve him as their king in the fellowship of the church. So there's a good rounded definition of evangelism. So the word evangelism, if you take out parts of that word, you're left with angel. (laughs) Angel sits right in the middle of that word because angels were bearers of news, announcers of news. And that's what we are commanded to do, to be the bearers or announcers of good news to people. So three principles, praying, 
caring and sharing. How do we evangelize? Praying, caring, sharing. Praying is the foundation of Just One. In fact, every month we are praying round the perimeter of the Arsenal Stadium and sensing a stir of God as we pray around that stadium every month. We've got prayer events. We had one a few weeks ago. We've got more prayer events coming up. Look at our website, justone.co.uk, to see what's happening. So praying is an important foundation that we must lay in our own lives, but also for the festival. I studied architecture, and I spent tedious hours on foundations. But we had to get the foundations right for the building to stay upright. Are you regularly praying for the lost, the people you have connections with at work, at home, in your neighborhood, wherever it is, at the gym? Are you regularly praying for them? I started another list, little list for my own prayer time that at least once a week I'm praying through the people that I'm in contact with on a regular basis and expecting God to do great things. Some of them will hopefully come to this event. When we pray specifically and intentionally for people, then God really does work. And we should pray because we cannot achieve anything through clever plans alone like this. It's all very clever, but we still must pray because we need the work of the Holy Spirit. Prayer is oxygen for the holy fire. Prayer is oxygen for the holy fire. And it's a spiritual weapon that God has given us. And if we just leave our weapon to one side, we will not win the war. Unused weapons do not win wars. We must take up our weapon of prayer and be praying for people. Are you regularly praying for the lost? Praying leads to caring. When we seek the heart of God, we'd want to reach out in love and care. We cannot just simply throw words at people when we evangelize. However good those words are, proclamation of the good news must be accompanied by demonstration. Demonstration of the gospel impacts and attracts people to Jesus. (laughs) There are two reasons why people do not become Christian. One, they've never met a Christian. And two, they have met a Christian. (laughs) We turn people away by the, the attitude we have, the behavior we have, when we should be impacting and attracting them to Jesus. You see, people can argue against proclamation, but they cannot argue against a demonstration of God's love. They do not care how much we know until they know how much we care. Okay, They do not care how much we know until they know how much we care. We've got great projects in the UK like Street Pastors, Food Banks, CAP, the list goes on. And they're all great bridge-building projects, caring And what we're praying for now is that Jesus will walk across that bridge into people's lives because they have been cared for in that way. I'll never forget a lady in Dagenham when I served with London City Mission called Eileen. We knocked on her door as a team and she was in tremendous distress because her brother had just taken his own life. So she was terribly distressed. And then she was also distressed because she could not 
meet the funeral expenses. They were too much for her. So we said, right, we'll come and we will pay for those funeral expenses, which we did. And that really impacted her, and that attracted her to Jesus, and she became a believer because we'd reached out with such love. They do not care how much we know until they know how much we care. Praying, caring, and then sharing. Sharing the gospel, because we've prayed and we've cared, we're to try and make the most of every opportunity that comes our way. The thing is, many have heard, about, have heard opportunity knocking at our door, but as someone once said, by the time we unhooked the chain, pushed back the bolt, turned two locks and switched off the burglar alarm, it was gone. It's too late. Often the knock on the door is simply ignored or goes unnoticed because we're too preoccupied with our own agendas. So that we may have many opportunities in the week, and I, I'm, I'm one such person where opportunity comes and, and goes, and I don't grab it like, like I should. And also, when we do interact with people, we're not doing it always with gentleness and respect. We can appear quite rude and forceful with people. The thing is, you can win arguments and lose hearts, and you can lose arguments and win hearts. It shouldn't be about us trying to win an argument. We're trying to win the heart of the person. And the best way to do that is simply share your story. You have a story of how you came to follow Jesus Christ. That is a story that needs telling. Just simply share your story. It's a form of evangelism that is very difficult to argue with. And yes, some people might say, oh, that's your faith, you believe that. That's a common response you get. But don't be afraid of sharing it, caring for them, praying over them, and their eyes, we pray, will be opened. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus promised the power of the Holy Spirit would come upon the disciples and they would be his witnesses, witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus told the disciples his spirit would come in power and they are to start witnessing in Jerusalem. The most threatening place where they could witness would be Jerusalem, their Jerusalem. And sometimes for us, when we start witnessing, especially I'm thinking of the people we're regularly in contact with, family, friends, neighbors, work colleagues. That's your Jerusalem. They're the most threatening and difficult people to witness to. But we have the power of the Holy Spirit to help us. So that's where we should start, as Jesus tells them, to start in their Jerusalem and then go out beyond that. It's interesting, in, I'd not noticed this before until I read it recently, when the man who'd been set free from the legion of demons, remember they, they were cast out into the pigs and they, the pigs drowned in the lake. Afterwards, Jesus says to him in Matthew 5, verse 19, he says this, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So Jesus is telling him, go to your Jerusalem, go to your family, your own people, and tell them. What does he do instead? The man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. So he didn't actually follow what Jesus was saying. He didn't go home to his family. But that's where Jesus tells us to start. And God empowers us 
for a purpose. His Spirit not only helps us to know Christ, but also helps us to make Christ known. His Spirit not only helps us to know Christ, but also helps us to make Christ known. Jesus said in John's Gospel, I'm sending you. He breathed on them the Holy Spirit, the power source. And we just had earlier that that story from Acts chapter 8 that Gary told about the, the Ethiopian. The, Philip actually was under the complete authority of the Holy Spirit at that time. He was yielded to the Spirit. He moved where the Spirit was moving him. He was totally in the will of God by the Holy Spirit. So praying, caring, and sharing. Those are the three principles of, of evangelism, effective evangelism. They can come in different orders, but still they are essential principles. Now, I brought with me this morning some uh, literature. So you've got uh, this little booklet. Everything to do with J. John is very, very glossy and very good quality. <laughs> so you can have one of these for a pound if you want to buy one of these as you go out the door. They're only a pound. Why not give this to someone? Use literature like this. It only takes 20 minutes, half an hour to read. It's all about making the connection with God in your life so use use these and lose them that's what Roger Carswell always says use them and lose them intentionally with people there's also a much fuller explanation on the life a portrait of Jesus and although I haven't read this someone the other day said how brilliant this book is again it's it's more for the sort of person who wants to read up on uh, the life of Jesus so they're, they're five pounds And as I say, these are five as well if you want a copy of the Natural Evangelism book. It's my uh, desire this year, and I'm deliberately wearing this little wristband, the four points, to try and get people to engage in conversation. And so you've got the four symbols here. The heart is the heart of God, how he loves you, how he has a plan and a future for you. He wants to prosper you and not to harm you, Jeremiah 29, 11. So God has a real love for every one of you here. That's what the heart symbol stands for. He wants to know you personally. That's why we were made. The problem is we all make the mistake of rejecting God, wanting to live our own way. That's the little cross, as if we've made a mistake, and we want to try and uh, do things as we please. We're not made like that. And God calls that rejection sin, that's turning away from him, and it separates us from him. Then there's the cross. God has sent his son as a rescue to try and bring us back to him. And it's only the cross that will achieve that when we trust in Jesus and seek his forgiveness. And then we have life eternal, promised and assured. And we have his presence, his spirit. The question mark is what will you do with this? And that's a challenge this morning, isn't it? Anyone sitting here, what will you do with this? Will you follow Jesus as his word commands? Know his presence and live for him. If you want to speak about that, then see me, see Gary, see others afterwards. We'd be delighted to pray for you. Let's have a pause, close our eyes. Father, help us to be a real light to the people we meet and have time for people and desire to reach out and see them come into your kingdom. So Lord, give us a heart of compassion 
and of love for the lost and to intentionally be praying, caring and sharing, inviting them along to the event like Just One or other courses or events. We pray that you would inspire us from this morning's talk in Jesus' name. Amen.